welcome. Welcome to the episode one of Talking Throws Podcast, Texas Style, hosted by Coach Jason and Coach Janelle. Today's podcast is being sponsored by Porta Circle. You can go to portacircle.com. That's P-O-R-T-A-Circle.com. Tell Marcus the Throwing Factory sent you. Also, Big Frogs of Colleyville for your t-shirt prints and much more. You can check out, go to Colleyville at bigfrogs.com or call 817-571-3764. And finally, the Thorn Factory Track Club, where they take something from nothing and make it into something. Check out thethornfactory.com. I love that intro. Don't you agree? It's a great intro. Yeah, that's some good music. I like it. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm on, on Yellowstone and um, I'm about to go fight Rip on a, in a mountain in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It, it does. It does. Uh, well, you know, just kind of this is our first episode, so we want to get into kind of the format, mm. how things are going to be going moving forward. So uh, I'm going to be the host. I'm going to be Coach Jason. And uh, Coach Janelle is going to be kind of running the board. And um, our podcast host is going to be Buzz Sprout, and they're going to be sending it out to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and hopefully we'll get an episode once a week. So our, our goal is to have one sent out every Sunday moving forward. Um, Coach Stockett, why don't you start us off with a little bit of background and intro about yourself? Hey, um, hey, sorry. I'm Coach Janelle. I have been coaching in the Texas public schools for 24 years. Um, back in the day, I threw a little bit of discus. Um, didn't really have a coach that necessarily knew. He knew what he was doing, but he was a football guy, so didn't spend a lot of time with the girl throwing. Um, but over my career, I've been able to coach several athletes um, through throwing in the past 24 years and just really enjoyed it. And then my daughter had the opportunity um, she threw in high school, went to state, um, and then had the chance to throw shot, discus, and hammer at a Division One school in college. So that was really awesome to get to see her do all that and um, kind of help me learn the ins and outs a little bit more of throwing. So, you know, one of my goals of this is to help kids know that you can go to college on a on a throw-in scholarship, that there's more to – that there's a field part to track and field that isn't just long and triple jump that involves – throwing and it's a, a great um just a great thing to be involved in very technical and good for kids who really can um do well at that individual sport oh good good i got a question though being a being a coach and being that wearing that mother hat what was the transition like for you when your daughter left to go to high school and went in and went into the college arena of throwing and stuff um, I would say it was a lot less stressful being the mom instead of being a coach, especially when she was doing something that I didn't know as much about at the time. So I could just enjoy her um, doing her events and, you know, kind of be there for her. Like I said, it's such an individual event that it took a lot of, you know, mental toughness and things that yeah. she had to overcome. So it was, it was cool to be there as a mom, but still have that coaching aspect to be able to, to help her through it. So much Did less stressful. Did you fight those urges to, to, you know, grab her by the arm and tell her to suck it up and let's get this stuff going? Absolutely. Um, I probably did that some. I mean, I was a college basketball player, so I loved it that it was something. Watching her play basketball was hard to do. Watching her throw was much easier to do. Watch so, work. yeah. Well, in that experience that you had, what just kind of 
outside looking in, what was the biggest issue that she had transitioned with going from that high school throwing in that, that competitive environment in the state of Texas to throwing in, you know, a college in the state of Texas? I think, you know, with any college athlete, they sometimes don't realize it's a job. And, you know, in high school, when you throw, you're a multi-sport athlete, you go out there, you throw, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, and you show up at a meet and you throw. They didn't really lift weights. They didn't do all of that. Though she had some amazing high school coaches. But she got in college, and it's a – feels like 24 hours a day. You get up, you go to the weight room, you do a weight workout, and then you do training, and then you come back and you throw again. And, you know, you're throwing different implements instead of just a shot and disc. You're learning how to throw the hammer. And you've got a group of kids yeah. over there throwing the javelin. So it, it's a full-time job, and it takes a very dedicated, committed person to do that. But she also loved it. It was also a lot of fun. What was, what was your involvement, involvement as that parent in her recruiting process? Uh, the recruiting process was so much fun. Um, she had several letters and phone calls from coaches. Um, she only went on two visits um, before she chose to go where she went. But it was just cool to listen to her on the phone. I remember – one time sitting outside her bedroom door and she was on the phone with the college coach from somewhere. And it was just cool to hear her talk to a college coach and, um, you know, all the questions they asked about and all those things. It was, it's pretty neat. Just encourage her to go wherever she felt comfortable with the coach that she could live with. She didn't have to like him every day, but yeah. she had to respect him um, and someone that, that she could work with in her, in her job. So was there any coaches on the, on the opposite side of that that immediately turned you off that, you know, you kind of felt their spill was BS, so to speak, and you were like, no, we're not going to talk to you anymore? You know, um, Cammie did that. She did all the talking. I didn't, I didn't talk for her. I didn't – I mean, it was all her. But you her. didn't get involved in the, process, the recruiting process really hands-on at all? I really. did not. I as did a not. coach, you didn't really feel like you needed to step in to do that? I wanted to, but as a mom – I knew that I needed to, this was something she needed to do. So I know there was a coach. I remember her getting off the phone with a coach and being like, I'm not going there. And I was like, well, what happened? She was like, well, he was, I don't remember her exact words, arrogant or just not very friendly. Didn't sound like he really wanted her, but she, she made it very clear after some phone calls with some, she was like, I'm not going there. I was like, okay, well, you know, there's other yeah. options. So. So, so if, you know, if there's young throwers out there listening and also parents out there listening, what would be some advice that you would give them um, with regards to trying to get your, your, the thrower into college, but also giving them the right choice as far as the best fit for them as regardless of the college, but also the throwing coach as well. What, what advice would you give those people listening? Well, like first off, your kid needs to know what, you know, what do they want to do beyond college? Because that, that's what's going to last forever, not being an athlete. And let's say aspire to go professional. So find out what degree you want, what college has that degree. And then from there, look into their, their throwing program. So she did that with several schools when she found out the degree she wanted. Yeah. Um, but then had to find that compatibility with that coach and with that town. Had to feel comfortable. Because like I said, you're there all the time. You don't get to come home in the spring and the fall when you're working out. So I think as a parent, you should encourage your kids to feel comfortable where they want to go and let them, let them be part of that process. I was always kind of a hands-off parent with some stuff, let her make her own choices and fail where she needed to and be there to help her. But, you know, they need to find their, their place. They got to find their way in the world. And college is just that first step into doing it and find a coach that, that like I said, you don't have to like him every day. Yeah. Because yeah. That, that's not possible. But you have to respect what they're doing and respect what they're teaching you that you can um, get something out of it, whether it's a 
huge career in track or it's just the knowledge of working with the team and being able to be coachable because you need that yeah. in the real world. Was it the pressure for your daughter to like, oh, I have this scholarship. I have to maintain a certain level to keep that scholarship. And as a parent, did you feel like, oh, my God, what are we going to do if she loses that scholarship and she didn't perform at that level? No, she she didn't really feel that pressure, I don't think, to perform. I mean, she put, let me rephrase that. She put that pressure on herself. I don't think there was that fear of losing a scholarship. When she got in, she had a very small amount of money and the next semester the coach saw what she was capable of and gave her some more. Um, she was the kind of athlete too, who wasn't going to get on it. She wasn't going to win a medal. She never won a medal in college. She didn't get, she wasn't in the top three or anything, but she has conference championship rings. She was a glue that kept that team together. She was the thrower out there that encouraged the top throwers and was always going to do her best. She improved every year and had good marks, but she was just not going to be, you know, winning medals. She was a great high school athlete and then a very above average college athlete, but not, not a medal winner. But wow. that pressure, I, if she felt it, she put it on herself. Um, yeah, it performed. But she, yeah, but it wasn't something that I think, I think bothered her. So. Yeah, so, so backing up, you said a while ago that your daughter came in to her college scholarship with a certain amount of money that she got offered. And as she went on her second, third, or even fourth year, she was able to accumulate more money? She was, yes. So um, the okay. first year, what? Well, yeah, at the semester – um, the coach called her in before she even started her spring semester. And he said, Hey, I'm going to give you this much more. He goes, you have come in and um, proved, you know, what I, beyond what I thought you were capable of doing. And then um, gave her a little bit money, more money for the next. And she only went to college for three years. She had lots of high school credit hours going in. So going she in. was just a college a athlete for three years, but she oh, got wow. some money in those three years. Awesome. Awesome. Great feedback for parents. They're wanting to um, their kids to go to college and pursue those scholarships. But sometimes, you know, it's not that full scholarship that they might offer. It might be 20% or 30%. I know with throwing too, you know, sometimes those academic uh, scholarships are involved in that recruitment as well. So yeah, for sure. If you can get some extra academic money, that, that always helps. And then there's always that chance. I don't know that some people realize that you can get more if something happens and you perform that that's always an option. Yeah. 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 Great insight coach. Um, little background about me. Um, I am the director of coaching for the throwing factory. It's a club in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Um, I started that about three years ago. And the reason I did, I had a, a, a kid that I used to coach in 2000 approach me about wanting to work with his athlete, work with his son and, and try to get him involved into throwing and teaching the basics of all that. And it was just kind of rewarding, refreshing that I, that a kid that I coached 19, 17 years ago would come back and say, this is the impact that you had on me. I want the same impact for my child. And I want you to teach him the same aspects of throwing and being an athlete and being competitive. And let's see what he can do with that. And, and that's kind of how this evolved for the throwing factory. Um, moving back to my high school career, um, I was a pretty good thrower my freshman year and had a couple of big marks. And I had a, a, a coach that kind of took me underneath his wing and taught me the basics of how to throw and how to compete and taught me how to lift. And it was the first time I was ever in a weight room, you know, he was teaching me how to do a power clean, 
uh, back squat, bench press, uh, deadlift, which, you know, growing up in the location where I grew up in Southeast Texas that, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any weight room. I grew up on a ranch and I knew nothing about lifting. I was just naturally big and strong because, you know, I grew up on a farm and a ranch and, you know, that's what we did at an early age and had some success throwing my freshman year. Then got into my sophomore year and the coach that was coaching me had an opportunity to leave and he left and I was left without a coach. And I can honestly say for the next three years, I didn't have a positive experience with throwing. Did I improve in my distance? Yes, but I didn't have someone there that kind of had my back. I lost my feel. I lost the trust that I had of throwing the implement and the shot and the disc. And long story, my senior year, I was favored to go to state in the shot put in the discus. And, and I'm embarrassed to say that I basically choked and I choked and scratched all three throws in the prelims. And the sad thing was there was nobody there with me to help me out. My head coach was also the, the throwing coach and he was off dealing with the pole vault and the high jumpers and some of the running events and just kind of left me there high and dry with, with nobody to rely on. And the time that prelims was over, I was done. And he comes to me saying, what happened? And I'm like, I scratched all three throws and prelims. <laughs> and, and it was, it was a little frustrating there. And, and, and part of, part of my coaching now, the reason that we have the throwing factory is I don't want to have a kid feel like the way I felt back in my senior year in high school. I don't want a kid to feel like that he was a she or she was abandoned you know, and have a negative impression of what throwing is because throwing the shot and disc is a great experience. It's the purest of sports. You know, there's no – either you can do it or you can't. You can go out and, and throw 45 feet, but at the same time in two weeks you might be able to improve to 50 feet or maybe even 55 feet. And it's better if you have a coach there that believes in you that can – maybe see from the outside looking in some technical standpoints to maybe turn you into a good thrower. And that's one reason that I've started the Throwing Factory and the one reason we're doing this podcast, Talking Throws Texas Style, is I want to give these kids in the state of Texas, even college throwers and maybe even professional throwers, uh, a voice and an avenue where they can listen to something and maybe grow and develop from And who knows? There might be a kid out in West Texas right now that's never threw a hammer or even know what a hammer is. And if they listen to this podcast and pick up some ideas of what a hammer is, you know, they might be an Olympic someday. And that would be really cool that, you know, that this little podcast might have an influence on somebody like that coming out of the state of Texas where basically they have no experience with throwing the hammer whatsoever. Um, how's that sound, Coach Stockett? That's good. I was going to go back to where you said, you know, one of the good things you liked about track was that, um, you know, it's all about you. So, you know, the tape measure doesn't lie. So yeah. one of those things that, that athletes that I like to tell my middle school athletes that, you know, it's not about the coach. Sometimes kids like to use the coach's excuse. Why well, I didn't get enough playing time. I didn't get enough minutes. No one got to see me. Well, in throwing, it, it's just you. It's you. It's you yeah. step up there, and, and the tape measure doesn't lie. Either you threw this yeah. far or you didn't. What the coach did or didn't do, um, 
you know, that, I guess that could play a factor if you have someone who's like not active and involved and not passionate and care about you, but it is all about you. And also liked how you said that, um, for your throwing factor, how you are out there with the kids for every throw, because that is important because in high school, a lot of those coaches are coaching a million other sports, being a high school coach for 24 years. I get it. You can't be two places at once, but that's one thing that you're passionate about with your kids. And that's important that they know you're there and can help with whatever technical stuff ever there or to chew their tail if they need it, words of encouragement, whatever it is they need. So that's, that's yeah, awesome. But I think you had an experience that may have, you know, not been your best in high school, but in turn, you're turning that around so that you can help and influence other kids. Yeah, yeah. And that's true. And, and, and you know, I also want to add too that I did go on and throw my, my freshman year in college as well. Um, and then I was hopefully going to turn it around and be successful in that. But then I got sidetracked and pulled in into football. You know, in the state of Texas, that's what we really fight too, especially on the boys' side is – we might have some really great kids who are outstanding throwers in the shot and disc and have a really good passion for it. But at the same time, they might be being pulled by that high school coach to go, you know, in their spring practices and and go do their spring workouts after school and to travel here to do all these, you know, old lineman trench warfare type situations, these competitive games. And they choose that over throwing where throwing can really be a good avenue for them. And just like you said earlier, it's, it's, the, it's the person's name. Necessarily, you're not representing your school. You're not representing your high school throwing coach. It's your name. And if you can do it, you can do it. We all, you know, there's different aspects of success for this, and the tape, the tape measure doesn't lie, but we want them to be successful and gain something out of it. And at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's not about technique are being strong. It's just basically about desire. It's about energy and effort. Who wants it more? And those kids are going to go out and be more successful. Hey, what do you think? You know, I think some people probably assume that throwers have to be these big, large, muscle-bound, you know, these big old guys and girls that step up there that are power lifters. Oh, power lifting did help. That's something that my daughter did. But um, can you, like, talk about – you have to have these big kids that weigh 350 that are linemen. I mean, what does the body build have to be for a thrower, depending I, on I, what implement you have? I, I think now the, the, the size of a thrower has changed dramatically. They come in all shapes and sizes. The, 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 in shot put, it's about moving the ball. And whether it's a glide shot put or rotational shot put, whether if you're six foot five and 275 or your girl that's five foot seven and 140 pounds. It's about power, explosive movement, and moving the ball through that ring, you know, and pushing it and getting a, the furthest mark that you can. And, and having, you know, two to three times to do that, too. And that's, that's the mental aspect of, of throwing, I think, sometimes overlooked, is you go to these meets in the state of Texas, and they might only get three to four throws. Well, each of those three to four throws are only like 45 seconds to a minute. But they've been out there for over an hour. They're warming up. You know, they wait for everybody else to throw in the rotation. There might be three or four flights. But how do they approach that that dead time? What are they doing when they're not performing, when they're not sitting in the hole up, being up next? Are they stretching? Are they warming up? Are they, are they on their phone? Are they looking at Facebook? Are they putting on their makeup? Are they, you know, changing their shoes or whatever they're doing? You know, they may not be ready to go out and compete and throw. Um, and so hopefully, you know, 
with this podcast, we might be able to give those type of throwers the experience of what they need to do between each throw to go be successful and possibly, you know, reach PRs and maybe even win some meets. Yeah, because definitely as a middle school coach, our kids don't get that important aspect that like in the middle of a basketball game, you don't go stop in the bleachers and talk to your friends in the yes. middle of a volleyball game, in the middle of a football game. But to get them to understand that as a middle school or even a high school athlete, that between every throw, you shouldn't be, you know, horsing around with your friends over here. Um, but yes. that's hard. And I honestly don't know. I think my daughter finally figured that out her junior and senior year when she got serious about throwing. So it takes that person being willing to step aside and do their stretching, do their air throws, do their glides, exactly. do whatever. Um, you go to a college meeting, that's what they're all doing. You yes. go to a middle school meeting, they're all messing around, you know, what middle school kids do. And high school kids are just sitting there, you know, chatting. But that exactly. that's something that is important that I've seen, um, you know, how you do with your throwers is teach them that at a young age, that even though at their middle school, because there's way more kids and, you know, less people watching them, that they need to take that time in between each throw yeah. to you, really analyze you, it. Do you feel the stereotype of being that big muscular type thrower is changing? um over over the years in the state of Texas do you do you see the 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 more athletic female starting to gravitate towards a shot in the disc and maybe the you know the backup middle linebacker or the backup nose guard that might not be the big powerful nose guard starting on the varsity maybe he's trying to go gravitate towards throwing to maybe get some recognition and and improve you know i i hope that i know we've seen some you know some girls so that are definitely you look at them you would not think they are throwers because they're short and um you know not just built but yeah. I, mean, I hope i hope that we can get kids to realize that that it is something that you can do that your body type it doesn't i mean yes you need to be strong quickness all those things help but but that you don't just have to be this what we could, would consider very large you know heavy set young ladies or men that that need to do it that you know, especially in the discus, got some long levers, and that right there is is a great part of it. Yeah, I know it's it's funny when we go to these meets and you see these kids throw. Um, your impression of them is they they might be bigger than life, but in reality they they're not. <laughs> For some time, but I think I think that you know the size of these kids it doesn't really matter if they got heart, they're coachable, they got desire, they got they bring some energy and effort to the competitive situation, nine times out of 10, those type of kids are going to be successful. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah okay. I agree. Good. Yeah. I agree. Well, this is the, the, the first episode of Talking Throws Podcast Texas Style. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to hear this out every Sunday, like I said in the beginning. And we look forward to chatting with you. And if you have any ideas or suggestions, please uh, make those in the comment sections. Also, to give us um, star ratings um, in the in the signature page. So, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to episode one of Talking Throws Podcast Texas Style. Uh, today's uh, podcast is being sponsored by PortaCircle.com. That's P-O-R-T-A-Circle.com. Tell Marcus that the Thorn Factory sent you. 
also big frogs of Colleyville for t-shirts, prints, and much more. You can contact them at 817-571-3764 or Colleyville at bigfrog.com. And finally, the Thorn Factory Track Club, where they take something from nothing and make it into something. TheThornFactory.com. Factory.com.